2: What's happening, everybody? Matt here, but you can call me Mattel. And welcome to the Pack a Day Podcast, the single greatest every single day Packers podcast out on the internet. With me, not as always, uh, Zachary Jacobson is sick tonight, so tonight I have the magnanimous Maggie Lo- Loney. I- I- I'm not used to your your new last name yet. I'm not either, so it's okay. I said that right, the Loney.
3: Yes, yes.
2: Okay, so uh, as always, I am drinking a beer. Uh, last week, it was the terrible Milwaukee's Best, also known as the Beast. Uh, <laughs> tonight, I am drinking Mexican Lager from Ska Brewing in Durango, Colorado. It's it's a craft Mexican-style beer. I think of it as like a really good Tecate. Maggie, I know you're always drinking. What do you got tonight? <laughs>
3: that sounds so bad. You're <laughs> always drinking. Um, I have a Hazy Little Thing IPA from Sierra Nevada, which is phenomenal.
2: <laughs> Sierra Nevada is, is a really good Really good brewery. A lot of good stuff.
3: coming. I'm always drinking when I podcast. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. They, if you can do the tour, if you can do the tour, highly recommend it. Totally worth it. So uh,
2: we are supposed to do a preview of what the Packers O-line is going to look like this year. Okay. I can do that. <laughs> now, um, uh, it's kind of <laughs> hard to estimate exactly how many they're going to keep. Maggie and I were, were looking pre-show at, at kind of the Packers trend. And outside of the five starters, they've kept anywhere from three backups to five backups. And uh, interesting tidbit: the 2018 Tennessee Titans had 11 offensive linemen on the roster.
3: Yeah, I mean that's that's a bananas number. You have to think about what position group was cut to to make that number. And I just, just I don't see the Packers being able to sacrifice that much depth in another position to bolster the line that much.
2: So it looks like the Titans last year only held four wide receivers. Uh, okay, so I, I should say, I'm going by the pro football reference numbers here. And uh, pro football reference has usually about 15 position list players. So just sorting by
3: position, they have four listed at wide receiver. Yeah, that's uh, the Packers, I feel like have to have at least six. So if you want to just do simple Titans, Packers swap nine and six would be my guess. Nine linemen, six receivers. Yeah, I, I,
2: think, I think calling it nine. So when we looked, uh, 2016, they kept eight. 2017 they kept 10 and then 2018 they kept nine so if we just make it a if we make it an average of nine i think that's a that's a fair assumption
3: yeah and i think i'm i'm curious your take but i think that the starters on the line are pretty solidified now so i think most of what we're talking about today is probably who those those four potential guys would be that would be backing totally. them up. And, and i think
2: if the only spot that that you could even consider up in the air would be right guard um, Billy Turner, who we've seen in the league in Denver. Um, maybe, maybe Cole Madison comes out of nowhere or Justin McCray kind of gets his poop in a group, but I think that, that Turner, it, the right guard is his spot to lose.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think so too. I love his versatility to be able to maybe swing out if something were to happen to Brian Laga. Um I know he has tackle experience as well, but I think that they paid him a lot of money to come in and start on the line. I don't think he's brought in just to be a depth guy.
2: Yeah, totally. And also talk about his team headshot. He is wearing sunglasses in his team picture. That is just like
3: like, like next level <laughs> awesome. He's he's great. Did you see? I don't know who did it. Someone said that Billy Turner was like a Pokemon evolution of uh, Devonte Adams. And I can't get that out of my head now. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely perfect. Um, oh, that reminds it, it's me of...
2: I made a joke last year about Denard Robinson, the um what do they call him, shoestring. He came out of Michigan, played as an offensive weapon for Jacksonville. Okay, so yeah. the Packers linebacker who went to the Colts. What, what was... uh
3: something Thomas.
2: Um, no, Eric Walden. Eric No, yep. Eric Walden is yep. what I'm thinking of. Uh Eric Walden, part of the reason that Colin Yeah, part of the oh, reason okay. that Colin Kaepernick went ham in the playoffs. <laughs> so uh Eric Walden Looks like if Denard Robinson got caught in like a Mad Max situation, <laughs> that's awesome. So, so you're not when, wrong when, when uh, uh, the Billy Turner Pokemon stuff came out. That, that, that's where my head went. Was like, yeah, he is totally. He's like a like a grizzled, heavier version.
3: Yeah, he's like the Blastoise of the team. I think. Which I mean, can, can we be
2: honest? If you didn't pick Squirtle as your starter, you are not min maxing properly. Oh, totally, yeah. No, you had to. I mean, if, if you're going to go against Brock without having to um, evolve a Pidgey or a Butterfree, then, like, obviously you went with Squirtle. <laughs>
3: <laughs> this is going to have, like, the lowest ratings in the history of the pack of day the 361, I think, this is episode. It's going to just tank. We're going to lose half our audience for talking no, about honestly, like,
2: like the like, the viewer... But my game is like Pokemon sure. Go, and and the listeners that that so. come in for Zach and I's show know <laughs> that we're going to go off the rails. We're not really going to talk much intelligent football. We're going to be like,
3: yeah. So anyway,
2: <laughs> okay. So,
3: well, we've already covered beer and Pokemon, so I think we're we're covering our bases yeah, 100%. pretty well.
2: So we've established that that Billy Turner is likely going to be starting at right guard. Uh, Brian Balaga, arguably the best uh, pass blocking right tackle in the league when when uh, healthy but that's the big question
1: yeah
3: I mean yeah pro football focus had him ranked as second among all right tackles in the NFL last season before anyone so for everyone that is concerned about his injury history which is valid when he's healthy he's phenomenal And, and before anyone gets into my mentions
2: talking about Brian Block I said he is the best right tackle no I said arguably the best pass blocking right tackle in the league Yes. The argument is there. And there's a difference, (laughs) but yes. And we all know that I worship at the altar of Brett Coleman and his, his uh, video on the pass blocking technique of Brian Balaga has reached infamy at this point.
3: I just like the way that he says Iowa personally. Ow. That's why I keep coming back. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yep. So, Every time. Speaking of
3: Brian
2: Balaga <laughs> and Brett Coleman's coverage of the Packers hug, um, a few weeks ago, Jeff Schwartz did a mailbag for SB nation and he was looking for questions. And I asked him, I said, the the new Packers offensive line coach is a much more um, first step chest punch kind of offensive line coach and doesn't necessarily uh, advocate for the hug. The quote-unquote hug that everyone thinks the Packers are cheating with, and what Jeff's response, what <laughs> Jeff's response to that was, um, he said, "If if there is a established veteran who has a technique that is ingrained in him, no good offensive line coach is going to try and stop that." And uh, T.J. Lang actually came out and not only agreed with him but also said. Uh, He doesn't understand where all this hype on the Packers hug is coming from because he said he's never hugged anyone. So, yeah, a a simple...
3: Man, the same (laughs) is (laughs) sad. Okay,
2: well, I don't think he meant literally.
3: (laughs) I think he meant in in terms of
2: blocking.
3: You know, the argument is there that he meant literally.
2: (laughs) I don't know, he's a really...
3: We'll never really know. He's a cuddly looking dude. I'd hug him. I would hug him too. And... He would swallow me whole. I, I shook. This is a side story. I shook B J Raji's hand once, and my hand was like engulfed. Like I couldn't see it when we shook hands. But now we're just going on so tangents. You know, so.
2: Now I'm looking at B J Raji's combine numbers. So B J Raji is six foot two, three hundred thirty seven pounds at the time of the combine. Um, did mm-hmm. not list a hand size. And this, this, dang it, that, that kind of sucks because I was going to go off on a rant about NFL hands.
3: I mean, I can assure you my hands...
2: Well, my hands are v- very, very small. So. so... I have what what would be you know. considered pretty average size male hands <laughs> in that um, I have to wear nitrile gloves. It work a lot. And if I wear a medium-sized glove, okay. it is skin-tight and a large size is comfortable. So that I would consider my hands pretty average.
3: Okay. I need, like, extra small gloves, and they're okay. a little big.
2: Well, so the
3: way... So like proportionately to my, my body, you know, <laughs> <laughs> they might be so, a little small.
2: Well, the, the way the NFL measures hand size at the combine is actually, it's kind of interesting. You stretch your fingers as far as they can go, trying to make your pinky and your thumb as parallel as possible. And then they measure the distance between your pinky fingertip and your thumb fingertip. And that distance is your quote unquote hand size. Now I have, I feel
3: like I need to, i go- sorry, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I just said I need a ruler. So uh, according
2: to that, I have bigger hands than Randall Cobb, and I have the same size hands as Jeff Janis.
3: So you're the savior that the Packers need this year. (laughs) No,
2: because I run like a 5'8", 40. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But um, it's just I have have freakishly um, flexible hands, and I can stretch my hands really far. And there was actually a, a report that Johnny Manziel was getting hand massages to increase his flexibility. So his hand size would be bigger at the combine. <laughs> that's kind right, of so awesome. There's your, there's your fun.
3: I mean, that's one way to cheat. The system.
2: <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's within the rules of the system. Like if you, in the, in the same way that, that uh, power lifters have a crazy arch, in their back when they're doing the bench press to lower the range of motion. Any, any little advantage that you can get
3: is within the rules is the way to do it. I just got to start typing a lot more so that my fingers are super flexible and stretch a little bit like pinky to thumb.
2: So for me, it was, it was guitar playing guitar and doing hand stretches and stuff. That's, that's what really increased my flexibility.
3: See, I played guitar. So maybe my hands are bigger than they would have been had I not played guitar. Maybe they would have been extra, extra small if Um, I did not. If you
2: want to learn some some crazy (laughs) uh, hand stretches, look up Paul Gilbert. He is the former guitarist for Mr. Big. Um, They had a power ballad in the early 90s. I'm the one who wants to be with you. Um, He's an amazing guitarist and is (laughs) stuck behind the fame of a hair metal band.
3: (laughs) I mean... He's living the dream, really.
2: He's actually, uh, last I checked, he was living in um, Japan, (laughs) like, just hanging out. So, yeah, good for him.
3: (laughs) Okay, so the offensive line.
2: (laughs) we were supposed to be talking about something. Okay, so the offensive line. So we talked about the tackles. (laughs) Well, no, we talked about one tackle. We talked about the right guard. Moving into the center, Corey Lindsley, who has been a Pro Bowl level center since his rookie year. Um, You can actually, I got receipts go back. Rogers was calling for Lindsley to be in the pro bowl halfway through his rookie year. And I still say to this day that he has been the biggest pro bowl snub outside of David Bakhtiari.
3: Yeah, no, I 100% agree with that. And I think like Packers fans take his, uh, iron man stability for granted. And I hope nothing happens. I hope that, that he continues that iron man streak, but that's why I especially liked the Elton Jenkins signing. Or at drafting in the second round this year. I mean, I know that he's projected to play as a guard for the Packers, but he has so much center experience that if you did potentially need depth behind Lindsley, he is the perfect candidate to be that person. Because last year they didn't really have a true center on the roster behind Lindsley, and that's a little concerning when you already have a beat up quarterback who's potentially running from his life for his life in some situations. And
2: also. Um... Elton Jenkins, I guess we could also talk about how that's a a really good showing of the changing of the guard and that Ted Thompson almost exclusively drafted left tackles. And so for the Packers to draft a true center Mm -hmm. kind of shows that Goot really is running the show and his draft mentality is really going to be there. Even if Ted has some influence, we can already see the departure.
3: Definitely, yeah,
2: I 100%. As much as, as much as I agree with the idea of drafting left tackles because they are nine times out of ten going to be the best blocker on their team, when you have a center whose job it is to call out slide assignments and um, understand the way that the, the defensive line is going to move, I think if you find a guy who did that in college, you're better off taking that guy to play center than trying to teach a left tackle to play center.
3: Oh, definitely. And because I know you love your relative athletic scores, Elton Jenkins as a center was a 9.4. And then as a guard, he projects at 9.57. So super phenomenal athlete at both of the interior positions. And online. that is another
2: thing that Good has been doing is the dude just loves athletes, man. Like, like, I think that he, the only person that he's drafted in the last two years that was less than an, it was like less than an eight, I think was Cole Madison.
3: Like, I think so, yeah. Because I think he was like a 5 or yeah, 6. Yeah, he was, he, was,
2: he was in the 5 to 6 range, the, the um, slightly above average for an NFL player athlete level. Um, whereas everyone else has been a plus athlete or a freak athlete.
3: Yeah, but I mean, I guess if you're looking to fill out the bottom half of your roster, like with undrafted guys, bringing in the super athletic dudes is not a bad oh, way to go. Um, last year... I was
2: huge, huge, huge on Gerard De Beer, not just because of his name, but because he is a two sport athlete. He's, a, he's an Olympic level, I believe, discus thrower um, who played in Arizona and just won with athleticism. Mm. And also, I mean, how cool would it be to have a guy on the Packers whose name is De Beer?
3: Wasn't he with the Bills? He went somewhere, and I was like, okay, Beer makes sense being wherever it was, city it was. It I was think Buffalo. it was Buffalo. I was like, you know, they're like the Packers of the AFC. They're fine. Yeah, And then he came to the Packers, and I was like, okay, now now it's really perfect. <laughs> Didn't his jersey sell out, too? Like his custom jerseys, people were already making them just because it was so perfect so people for people were Bay. using
2: the custom jersey maker to make his jerseys, and then uh, the Packers Pro Shop started selling them officially and they sold out in like the first 10 minutes
3: that's what i that's what i had thought so so he has to at least be a practice squad candidate oh, I mean, if nothing else like he has to make him in some capacity and actually
2: um uh evan tex western of acme packing company uh he and i were discussing the correct beer to drink while wearing a de beer jersey with his number being seven. or seven2 we were looking at 7.2 ABV beers and uh, a very a very very popular <laughs> nationwide 7.2 percent beer is uh, arrogant bastard ale by stone brewing
3: that's perfect. Right. So, uh,
2: if that's perfect. if Gerard sees some playing time this year go out get yourself a de beer jersey and get yourself an arrogant bastard.
3: You won't regret either decision because it's a great beer and a good Jersey. And and as much as I would love that Jersey, I disagree on the
2: beer. I'm not a big, like, like hoppy, bitter, like I'm I'm, a, I'm a stout man. I, I want, I want my beer to be as smooth as can possibly be. And as black as the devil's soul.
3: Like I'm already bitter, so I don't need beer to make me more bitter. <laughs> I guess. So that's Speaking fair. Of,
2: I'm out of beer. I'm gonna go get another <laughs> one. Uh, if you would like to start in on our left guard situation.
3: Yeah. So I think that Lane Taylor is going to be your default starter at left tackle or at left guard. Excuse me. I don't think that there's a ton. I know there's going to be a ton of competition at camp, but I think that he will immediately be the left guard. Um, I think that you can't look at last year as the end-all be-all because of his injuries. He fought through them. Um, he knows Bakhtiari to his left, Lindsay to his right. They've got that synergy on the left side of the line, but I do think that Alton Jenkins will push for playing time. And if Cole Madden looks as impressive as, he has supposedly been looking in minicamp and in um, team activities, then those are two names that potentially could either push Taylor for the job or will become immediate backups at the position. So the,
2: the only um, thing to bring up, I think about Cole Madison on the left side is he's, he's naturally a right guard, right? Like I'm, am I reading that right?
0: So, yes.
2: Yep. Um, I was talking to yep. um, Bucky's fifth quarter writer uh, Owen Reese, he was a uh, college lineman. And he told me that it's actually, um, it's like learning how to be ambidextrous when you switch sides on the line, because the blocking technique is the same, but learning how to learning how to kick step yeah. the other direction can really throw some people off.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm left handed. So when you told me to do anything with my right hand, I can't. So learning how to switch my feet and switch my hands, I, I can totally understand how that would be a difficult task. That's why um, people like Justin McCray are so impressive to me. I I really think that Justin McCray makes this roster. I think that he is – I always call him the Swiss Army Knife of the offensive line. I think that he's so versatile, and he's one of those guys that can come in, play either position, and I think he – the only position he hasn't taken snaps at for the Packers is center. So he's played everywhere. He was – also a two-sport athlete, um, was a wrestler and a football player. Um, so he just—I so, think that he is a versatile option. For I'm going to throw team. out
2: a name here in in relation to Justin McCray, and I'm probably going to catch a lot of crap for this. I like Justin McCray on the roster because he reminds me of he reminds I'm me ready. of Don Barclay. I think that's fair, though. And people, people hate on Don Barclay because he was never great at anything. He was okay at most things. The problem is, is when you have Don Barclay playing left tackle, that's that's the biggest problem.
3: Right. I honestly thought that you were going to say that Justin McCray reminded you of Jordan McCray. <laughs> I was expecting that. So Don Barclay was a. You're like welcome. Chick. Yeah, uh, uh Justin McCray reminds me a lot of
2: his twin brother,
3: <laughs> who plays for the Bears. Oh man! Now, so, so you know if they both are on the teams. Luckily, I guess Jordan's not a defensive lineman, but still, oh, man, that would just
2: be that would be the best. It, like, like when we had the uh, the Matthews Matthews battle when Clay went up against his cousin yep. in uh, Atlanta. Uh, I would love. Like a good, a good bloodline battle.
3: I guess the only one that could happen then would be J.J. Watt and Derek Watt if the Texans played the Chargers. So I'm not sure about any other brothers that would line up against um, each other.
2: I was trying to think of the Gronkowski brothers, but they were always on offense. The, um, Actually, yeah, didn't one of the Gronkowski brothers get Tony Romo's collarbone broken?
3: Ooh, I, like, I don't I'm know pretty about sure the,
2: the last time Tony Romo broke his collarbone, one of the Gronkowski brothers was his fullback.
0: Oh,
3: okay.
2: And he like missed a yes. block or, or something. Is, this is, of course, multiple years ago in a team I give zero craps about, so it's it's hard to remember specifics. Yeah. So, um, I mean, okay. Oh,
3: I was just going to say one of my favorite stats about Justin McCray is that during his senior year of high school, he made 63 pancake blocks and didn't allow a sack. That's an... so. Just thinking about like high school Justin McCray just pancake blocking people is pretty fantastic to me.
2: I, watching so when you go back and watch a high school film of even an average NFL athlete, the uh, talent differential there is always just cuckoo bananas like it's it's always you don't have to point out the guy on film because you're gonna know who it is 10 seconds later
3: yeah always Uh,
2: so moving on from the left guard we're now
3: i just oh go ahead I'm, i'm sorry go ahead No, I was I was literally just gonna say that I have the roster up and now I just think of a blast voice when I see Billy <laughs> Turner. So that really was not related to anything No that... worries. Um, for what you were saying was more it's important. Right. I'm,
2: so I'm gonna try and fix as much of this as I can in post, but what people don't realize is there's like a full on like two second delay between you and I, so that's why we end up talking over each other quite a bit. Oh, okay. I'll pause for longer. (laughs) Don't worry. He's like, so I'll try and, I'll try and make the sound as, as I'll remove the awkwardness as much as I can. Um, But yeah, so moving on to the left tackle, we've got David Bakhtiari. I mean, he's a 97 overall in Madden. He is constantly rated as the best left tackle by pro football focus. He is the first team all pro, but never in the pro bowl. I mean, mean, what else is left to be said?
3: Yeah. I mean, his talent is just incredible. And when you look at the trajectory of where he's at right now, um, he really does align with some of the best left tackles to play the game. I mean, he's up there with Joe Thomas's numbers. He's comparable to Andrew Whitworth, who's still playing for the Rams. Um, Tyron Smith for the Cowboys. Just, I mean, I think it was something like 25 pressures on 737 pass blocking snaps. Like those are incredible numbers. And, Left tackle is arguably the second most important position in football, I guess, outside a quarterback. So for the Packers to have him and have a player that performs as well as he does, left tackle is just far and away, you know, solidified as long as Bakhtiari is playing.
2: I'm of the opinion that uh, both tackles are now equally important in the uh, passing heavy league, the way that it's turned into. And I think the the old mentality of, oh, he's not as good of a pass blocker, but he's a road grader. We can put him at right tackle. I don't think that that's necessarily true anymore. And the, the fact that the Packers have amazing pass blocking bookends is just a testament to what Ted Thompson was able to do in his time in green Bay.
3: Yeah. And I mean, that, that is, that is a really good point. You have guys like JJ Watt that rush from either side and, you know, and that's why I don't think Brian Belaga gets enough credit because people hear left tackle and they think you know, Bakhtiari holds it down he plays the quote-unquote harder position. But Brian Belaga is about as reliable as they come when he's healthy. And that is a big if and a big win. But I think he played in like 14 games the last couple seasons. So it's not like he's missing extended chunks. Um, I think he's missing more for precautionary reasons to make sure that he can play long-term for like those postseason pushes rather than re-injuring something and then having to sit for longer because there is a a drop-off once you get past Bakhtiari and Balaga as far as who would be the depth at the tackle positions. Yeah, totally.
2: So, um, backing up David Bakhtiari, according to using our lads, which uh, a funny story about our lads, uh, um, Zach and I used our lads to look at depth charts of all the Packers opponents for the last show that we did. And it turns out that their depth charts at safety weren't exactly accurate because there was a player for Washington who was supposed to be suspended, but ended up not. Um, And it turns out that that suspension um, was considered null and void like the day before we recorded. So our lads isn't always the most accurate, but listed right now, as Bakhtiari's backup is Jason Spriggs, which I think is fair.
3: Yeah, I mean, Alex Light kind of snuck on. He was one of the surprising undrafted players to make the 53. Um, Didn't see a ton of game action at all, but he'll be another name to keep an eye out for during the preseason. Um, You talked a little bit about DeBeer and how much you enjoy him. Um, Another tackle that I'm pretty fascinated by and I can't wait to see uh, during training camp in the preseason is Yashua Nijman. And I don't know if I'm pronouncing his last name correctly, but he is a freak athlete. He's six, seven. I think some of his scouting reports had said that he was a little bit stiff, which when you're six, seven, I get that the bend and flexibility is not as uh, natural to you, but he is for sure a practice squad candidate, if nothing else, but uh, he's a name to keep an eye out for because he has the talent to push um, behind Spriggs and Light for one of those backup spots. Yeah,
2: and and I mean, we've both probably mentioned it countless times at this point that the, the freak athlete is always the one to take the flyer on because maybe they can learn to play football, maybe yeah. they can't, but you can't teach speed, you can't teach size. 100%. And sadly, uh, my opinion on Jason Spriggs is that you can't teach reaction time. Yeah. He's, uh, I I refer to Jason Spriggs as the human lag spike. He's, he's got all (laughs) the athleticism in the world. He's got all the technique in the world, but he's always half a step behind everything.
3: Yeah. He has to do something this offseason to put everything together. I know in 27, or 2018 the big storyline was that he had added muscle and he was looking bigger and stronger and, you know, moving better. But he just has to be able to keep taking steps because all of that is great when you do it on paper and then when you get into the game situation and you don't perform like you expect to. I mean, he's entering now his fourth season and I just... For a second-round pick, I don't know if you could say that he lived up to his draft stock. I guess he did if you were expecting him to not have to play extended looks. Um, but if you drafted him to be a tackle like for the future of your franchise once Balaga potentially retires, then, yeah, he he needs to show the Packers something new this offseason it, or once well, training comes first. Because
2: Spriggs has everything on paper that you want out of a left tackle with the exception of not being able to block.
3: Which is a big exception. I
2: always always go back to the preseason game against the Broncos when Jason Spriggs had to try and block Von Miller. And just, I remember Von Miller was already three steps deep before uh, Jason had even squared up to him. And and I, I know... I yeah. know going against Von Miller is not fair because he's the outlier. He's one of the three best pass rushers in the league, and it's not fair to say, oh, well, he got beat by Von... Like, it wasn't just that he got beat by
3: Von Miller. He got abused. Maybe he'll have one of those breakout seasons like when Kyler Fat Girl finally won a, a one-on-one in training camp last season, and then he had 10 and a half sacks. So maybe Jason Spriggs will finally, like show up in training camp and just manhandle which everyone and that'll be his coming out party like, like kyler's oh, last man. year i just i i talked so much crap about <laughs> kyler fackrell the last couple of years
2: and then i like i i went on twitter <laughs> i think well, a lot of- i went on twitter i know for a fact so the thing about kyler fackrell is he he has a very strong family and they name search him regularly on twitter right and his mom blocked me because of all the mean things i was saying about her son <laughs> <laughs> so mrs fackrell if for some reason you're listening to this i was wrong your son is not terrible at football he got a lot of really good sacks last year i'm sorry
3: now you have to drop your at so she knows what on the block well, i mean
2: i've I, I i'm pretty sure she's seen some of my multiple uh public apologies about kyler but i just she just probably just doesn't want to see it. Um, there was, God, there was one, it was the throwback game when he got three sacks and one of them was like, he fell down onto the quarterback.
3: What the? Yeah, against yeah, the Bills, right? right?
2: So it was during that game where like, I, I issued a public apology about all the mean things I ever said about Kyler and it, oh my God, it got retweeted like a hundred times. So the Fackerel clan had, had to see
1: <laughs> it.
3: I know those wounds run deep. (laughs) If you you can't love him at his worst, you don't deserve him at his best.
2: Kyler Fackrell is literally (laughs) a Marilyn Monroe poster on the wall of some sophomore Delta Zeta.
3: (laughs) (laughs) You know, if someone made that and sold it, I would put it in my (laughs) office tomorrow. Especially
2: if it's, if it's his bearded team photo where he's got crazy eyes and looks like the Unabomber.
3: When you say things like that, that's why his mom
2: okay. keeps blocking that, on Twitter. It goes damn well. Last year during his team pictures, he looked like a freak serial killer. Which, oh, by the way, I'm not being. Uh, insensitive here his official nickname on pro football reference is Kyler the freak fackerel i did remember that one that's that's a decent it's, one my whole thing with official nicknames it's a it's a it's a big thing it's a long story we we've all heard it many times if so moving back <laughs> to bottom of the roster guys if we look at the like oh my god like the t- like the 12th and 13th options left. Um, we're talking about guys like uh, Adam Pankey and uh, Anthony Coyle and Larry Williams.
3: Lucas Patrick is yeah, another didn't one. Did you
2: mentioned Lucas Patrick yet?
3: Who's kind of a bubble guy, but I don't see him latching on this year. I think there's too much depth. Yeah, I
2: think that. I think that um, recent um, additions in uh, Elton Jenkins and Cole Madison coming back and the possible rise of people like Gerard De Beer or um God forbid if Yashua if ends up being as good of a player as he's an athlete, then yeah, guys like Lucas Patrick are just like the last the odd man out.
3: Unless Lucas Patrick can play on special teams again.
2: That's fair <laughs>
3: that's fair.
2: I forgot about that.
3: <laughs> okay, so who would be your your nine Packers that are going to make the 53 53- okay. okay, out of camp your five so starters five, and then your four backups.
2: totally locked in, uh, Bach, Taylor, Lindsley, Turner, Balaga, Ooh. Iowa. Then, uh, my backups would be, <laughs> uh, Elton Jenkins because they're not going to cut a second rounder. Um, Justin McRae because of his, uh, swing tackle prowess. Um, I think Cole Madison, um, out of just, I think that like he's talking about impressing people and then coming in. Um, uh, I think this is the year that we say goodbye to Jason Spriggs. I'm going to take a flyer on Gerard Beer as my ninth man.
3: Okay, I'm glad you did that because otherwise we would have had really similar ones. So, well, the same, not even similar. I have you know Bakhtiari, Taylor, Lindsley, Turner, and Balaga as my starting five. Uh, my immediate backups, I have Elton Jenkins uh, for his center. Uh, backup depth and his guard abilities. Uh, Cole Madison, I I see Cole Madison potentially being a practice squad candidate, but given all of the high praise that he's gotten from the organization, um, it's hard for me to think that that's just fluff at this point. I think that he's really impressed people and turned heads. Um, so given Ted Thompson's ability to find really good NFL caliber talent uh, on the offensive line in the middle rounds, I think Cole Madison makes the team Justin McCrae, I think um, he's my Swiss Army knife. I can't let him go. And then I'm giving Jason Spriggs one more year. But if Jason Spriggs gets beat out by anyone, I think it'll be Alex Light that makes the team. And then Yash and Beer are two practice squad guys right, for me. See, and
2: I would have Yash and Light as my practice squad guys. So we're not that far off. And your your Jason Spriggs uh, pick isn't, is also probably the more practical one than saying Beer uh, specifically, because this is Spriggs' last year on his contract, and it's he's he's a, a high draft pick currently running on a really cheap contract. Like it, it, it does, it just makes sense.
3: Yeah, he's a really low stakes player to keep for one more year. But if you're keeping him because you hope that he doesn't play, then that's where the issue is. So, I think he'll stay on for one more year. But I'm not sold that he'll come back after this season. I'm I'm pretty sure that um,
2: if if Jason Spriggs is garbage this year. He's gone. But if Jason Spriggs is great this, like if God forbid, we need to see Jason Spriggs, see some game time and he ends up playing lights out. That dude is gone because someone's going to throw a ton of money at him.
3: Yeah. So really it's a, it's a, and then you have De beer to come in as (laughs) right tackle. (laughs) When Balaga leaves. So you're you're good.
2: Oh man. (laughs) If I I just, I hope Brian Belaga never leaves. Brian Belaga and I are roughly the same age. And I I don't like the thought of being too old
3: to do something at this point. <laughs> you know you you've been bulking up, so theoretically you could be the next right tackle for the <laughs> so, pack.
2: <laughs> so where I'm at currently, uh, I'm, I'm about 180 pounds. So I would have to gain, uh, probably an entire U to be a right tackle in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I'm very flattered. <laughs> you think I weigh that little? But, but like, like realistically,
2: I would have to gain a full-grown adult in lean mass. To, to, <laughs> that is a. That is a. I would also have to to grow about a foot. I'm I'm sitting here just a just a staunch five
3: nine. So you have leverage on your side.
2: Actually, that's that's is what, what Mike I'm Daniels meaning. says. You can get in the shoulder pads. Exactly. Like Mike Daniels thinks that his his short stature and low center of gravity are what makes him such a good lineman. I don't think that that would translate to pass blocking.
3: (laughs) Just another hold on the tub.
2: (laughs) Every play is a hold on the tub. (laughs) I'm currently searching shortest right tackle in the NFL. Um, Currently the shortest right tackle in the NFL is six foot four. (laughs) 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 Okay. Uh yeah, so according to So you would need a me on your shoulders. Pretty much, yeah. And then So according to um Foxsports the smallest right tackle in the league is Chris Hubbard of the Pittsburgh Steelers at six four two ninety five. So if I put if I put on if okay. I put on a buck fifteen well... and ten inches of height, I'll be right there.
3: Alright, well you should start practicing <laughs> Just in case things go south.
2: <laughs> so unrelated, Yannick Ngakwe is considered the smallest defensive end in the league at 6'2", 246. Hmm, and he's he's really
3: two forty six is small he's though. Good.
2: Like really, <laughs>
3: um, he is really good, but that is
2: I'm impressed. I'm thoroughly I mean, impressed. I mean, a guy a guy south of two fifty. Okay, we are we are completely off the rails, but we made it all, all the <laughs> way through our preview.
3: We did, we took some detours along the way, but we're here now. We have our nine, we each gave I our mean, nine, if, so.
2: If you are, if this is your first time listening to a show that I'm part of, yeah, we took a lot of detours. But if this, if you're a regular listener <laughs> to my section of the Pack of Day podcast, you know that. This was actually pretty to the point.
3: <laughs> we streamlined the whole operation.
2: Uh, well, guys, that will do it for us. We actually managed to make it all the way through. Um, as always, I'm Matt, but you can call me Matub. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, MySpace, Zanga, Friendster, all that stuff.
3: And I am Maggie Loney. You can find me at Twitter on Twitter at Maggie Lawler, L-A-W-L-E-R, or... Uh, through Cheesehead TV, because I write there as
1: well.
2: All right, guys, that does it for us. Uh, as always, I'm Matt, but you can call me Matub and go pack.